Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood sub-genres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi. Hello. Hello. We always count down from three whenever we start a podcast episode. And Cindy was just saying how it reminded her of iCarly. And I miss the old iCarly. I tried watching the old one. I mean, the new one. And I don't like it. I don't know. I mean, I like it, but I miss Sam. I think that's all I have to say. That's my issue with all of these reboots is that the char- like the side characters that actually made the shows are not in the reboots. Like, Sam is... Actually, Sam is in iCarly, and Sam isn't in Sex and the City. Interesting. They're both named Sam. Yeah, both Sams are absent. Like, they make the show. And, like, I don't know. I think there's mostly just Nickelodeon sh- Actually, no. Most <laughs> shows in general, like, the main character isn't the best character. Do you know what I mean? Like... Yes. Like, Carrie. You feel that way? Carly. Carly. Which both start with a C. Like, Crazy, the Tori and Victorious. She was very auxiliary to her own show. And, like, Zoe 101 is coming back, and it's called, like, Zoe 102. And I was like, I thought she was canceled so many times, actually. (laughs) Also, I saw a interview that Kim Cattrall did with the Today Show. And I don't know if you saw this. It was all over TikTok for me today. And then I actually sat down and watched the whole video. It was like three minutes long. And Kim was basically, they were just doing like a promo for her new TV show, Glamorous. I think that's what it's called. And I have to watch that because you know I'm obsessed with Kim Cattrall, like as a person. But... She was saying how excited she is to do that show. And then the host also mentioned the fact that she was doing a cameo, which is only a cameo, in Just Like That. And she clarified, she because they were like, oh, you are like co-starring. And she was like, no, actually, I'm doing a cameo. Just wanted to like let you all know um, that it will just be a cameo. And then she started talking about one thing that Kim's been very adamant about over the years was the power of saying no. She's told everybody when everybody was asking her when she was coming back to Sex and the City, if they were doing a Sex and the City movie three, if she was going to be in Just Like That. They, you know, when she was getting these questions, the first thing she said was like, if I ever feel uncomfortable about a situation, I'm going to say no. She's like, mortality is knocking at my door, is a direct quote from the interview. In fact, she was saying how she is not going to be in a situation where she is unhappy. And this is what she said, which I think you're going to find interesting, Sydney. She said she went on set for Just Like That from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., had a great time. It was a great afternoon. She got her hair done by the same hairstylist who did them for the original show. Her costume design by the same person done from the original show. And she said she went home with her partner afterwards and had a dry martini. And she said it was a great afternoon and it made her feel super comfortable. And she said the actually CEO of HBO Max was like, what can we do to get you on the show? Whatever we have to do, we will do it. And she had a lot of terms, a lot of them, she said, but they all got agreed to. And I just wonder what they are. I feel like when we see the cameo, it'll be indicative of like what her terms were. I just feel like all of the excitement about it and the expectations for it are so high. And they only filmed it in one afternoon. So the cameo can't really be that long. But I feel like it's going to be disappointing. And I love Sam. She's like my favorite character. It used to be Miranda. But her character's a hot mess. Yeah. 
it, she is a hot mess. Um, especially in just like that, like not indicative of like any partner she chooses to have, but indicative of like, I thought her and Steve were like meant for each other. I was super sad when they got divorced. And like, that's about where all my disappointment ends. Cause I actually really like Chase character, but um, I think they're a great addition to the show, but it was just interesting to see how like quickly Miranda pivoted because in the original sex in the city, she was like, don't change yourself or your partner. And that's exactly what she's doing now, like moving to California and just like giving up her job and, you know, saying goodbye to her son for a little bit and going to California. It's just interesting what they're doing to her character. I just think that like they knew that the original Sex in the City would be problematic in today's terms. So they're yeah. trying to make up for it entirely with Miranda's character. Like <laughs> she's racist in a lot of scenes. She's like somewhat homophobic, but also is coming to terms with her own sexuality a little bit. And just like says a lot of cringy things. And like I just loved Miranda. And she's an edu- Harvard Law educated woman. I feel like in reality, they should have done it to another character like Charlotte or um, Carrie. Because I feel like being in that kind of environment and law, you have to kind of know like what can and can't be said or like how to interact with people. So I feel like it just doesn't make sense that it's her character that's going through it. I completely agree. I think that maybe it was necessary to address some of the qualms or politically incorrectness of the original season but there were like other ways to do that I think they just kind of went about it in a very weird way but regardless I love I will say on a positive note I love just like that season two better than I love season one so I don't love it but I like it better than season one to me season one was a train wreck I thought every episode I was just so detached from all the characters didn't recognize them as their own characters so for me it was just like nuts and then season two I feel like they're kind of getting back to their own groove like and Charlotte's character in particular what's her name in real life Kristen something Kristen Davis yeah something like that I thought she was like really returning back to Charlotte which I liked which is what yeah which is what I wanted from the first season before I spoil it um but also like unrelated and completely random but it just occurred I have known someone for, like, this girl for, like, eight or nine years, and she's very, very active on social media. Like, she's a pretty big following on Instagram. We went to school together, and she posts about, like, literally every aspect of her life. And today, she just hard-launched her man and her engagement in the same post, and I actually felt flabbergasted because I was like, how have I known you personally for eight years but also followed you on instagram and like she posts so much so like how did i not know that first that you had a boyfriend or a partner in the first place but like to hard launch your man and your engagement like all the comments were like oh my god so shook didn't know you were had a boyfriend like blah 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 and i was like she kind of ate like that i kind of love that for her yeah i kind of love that for her i don't know yeah i like that I like some hard launches. I think they're funny. <laughs> I uh, I know that you know that I can't wait to soft launch the man I eventually will get. But it's so annoying because when I go out with my guy friends, I forget that people don't know that those hands are the friends of my guy friend. So, like, I'll post, like, my food and, like, my really good friend Finn, for example. Like, his hands will be in the background. The amount of swipe ups I get where they're like, oh, my God, soft launch question mark. Number one, get out my business. Number two, <laughs> no. Number three, ugh, you wish. So I can't wait to actually soft launch and then track who, who's talking this. Because I did soft launch. I hard launched my ex-boyfriend on my story when I went to go visit him in Spain. And I remember, like, because I have a business account. So I remember, like, swiping up my story and it had, like, 300 sins. And I was like, who's talking mess? And what are they saying? I want to know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, For those of you who don't know, that was a huge Easter egg because we had Finn on, who is the owner of the arm that Cindy was referencing that was in the picture. The owner of the arm. (laughs) Um, We had him on an episode in like season one to talk about how guys should treat girls because to us, he is like the model imitation of like how a woman should be treated. He always treats his girlfriends with respect. Sydney, in particular, had known him for, like, five years previously, so it was really cool getting to hear that from him. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen, because he's a cutie. I remember like, that, in a personality way. Yeah, you said cutie, but platonically cute. 
Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. <laughs> and it's funny because like there were so many girls that DM'd us right after the episode came out, and they were like, "Is Finn free? Is like Finn single?" And he got yeah. so many follows, and I was like, "You know what? I love that for him. His king era." Yes. No, he's a great guy, and I think like the reason we had him on the episode is we were basically trying to inform our female listeners in particular or just, like, our cis audience, or just, like, anybody in particular, that, like, the people who, like, the men, specifically, who you invest your time in, you should have some standards. Because, like, not all men are bad. Not all straight men are bad. Here's an example of a great guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, like, so funny that you say that, because as I reflect on life (laughs) and the world, I just, I see women in the wild. I see women that I'm close to, like, my friends. And I see the men that they are with. I see them with my eyes. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting of a choice. And then (laughs) I see with my eyes, but then I also hear with my ears. And my ears hear (laughs) stories. And I'm like, my eyes and my ears are not believing what's occurring. Because there is no way that you, as a normal, cute, fun, lovely, smart girl, are putting up with incredibly disrespectful behavior from a man that is none of those previous things for why. And as I reflect, that question has not been answered. And I ask it of myself as well. I do ask myself why, because in my past, I have done the same thing and I probably will do it again. So I really (laughs) wonder, like, what is it about? Is it about the women or is it about the men? Or is it both? Like. Okay, Carrie Bradshaw. No, literally, because I'm like, our... She always said that in the show, like, and then I wondered. Because the wondering needs to be done, because (laughs) I just can't tell. Like, are girls lowering their standards because we all aspire to, uh, generally, to be in a relationship? Or do men realize that women will put up with less, so they are less? I'm not saying, obviously, that's not all men. I talked about earlier, and it's an example of a man who's not like that. But more often than not, I just find that people who my friends are with or people who I see out in public, people that I just know. I'm just kind of like, there's no way that we should be putting up with certain behaviors from certain people. It's true. So actually, I'm going to use this time to plug my events of the day. I just got my hair done this morning. So I got my hair dyed (laughs) and blonde and I got extensions in. Um, And this is all related because the last time I did that, not the extensions part, which are awesome by the way literally just renewed my confidence but anyway I about the same time last year I got my hair done at the salon and my ex made this whole big thing about not how good my hair looked not worrying about like complimenting me or even just like commenting on it in general he made a big thing about like why didn't you send me more pictures as soon as you got it done because like we didn't see each other We, we were long distance my ex and I so we didn't see each other for like a week after I got got my hair done so he was like why didn't you send me more pictures of your hair? Like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I saw you post on your story a bunch of times, but you didn't send me pictures of your hair, blah, blah, blah. And to me, I was just like, okay. And I think that speaks perfectly to your point. It's just like, why did I put up with that? Why didn't I question it? Why didn't I get mad? I don't know. I think women in particular have a tendency to not be confrontational when it comes to men and say sorry instead of excuse the fuck me and I think that's something that has been um, indoctrinated in us since we were very young and I think that's something that needs to change so when I think about how I used to act in my last relationship it is funny to me now but it's like am I will I do the same thing in the future am I doing the same thing right now it's crazy to think about and that kind of goes into our topic not deciding our topic before we're halfway through the episode. Uh, finally, um, for what? <laughs> so today we're talking about overthinking. And I do think that if I, if I had a red flag for myself, it would be that I put the overthink and overthinker um, by a lot, actually. And part of me used to think, like, is it just because, like, I'm a very... Um, like intrinsic person like I just do a lot of thinking in general I guess everyone thinks a lot I don't really know but I'm a big okay I'm a big reflection person I will say and from my past relationships the thing that's been consistent is I think I'm an anxious person in general like not even just about relationships but about school about work 
about life, about climate change, like literally everything. And I think that my anxiety manifests itself physically through me overthinking things. And I realized that it wasn't necessarily the fact that I reflected so much that was the issue. It was the way that I would respond to myself overthinking. And I think that in the past, I spent so much time and energy and just brain power trying to get a definitive answer as to why this guy doesn't like me or why this man treats me this way or why I'm not in a happy relationship or why they prefer this hinge girl over me, etc. I just wanted to have a definite answer and I felt that if I did have that, that I would be okay, I could be able to move on. But I think I realized a few things through that whole process. One, that I'm most more times than not in life, I'm never gonna have that definitive answer because that's just the way the world works. They could tell me X, Y, Z, but I will never know if that's true because I'm not them. You know, I can't get inside their brain, one. So I, I think learning to live with not having answers was one thing I had to realize stems from overthinking that I need to get used to. But also that by spending so much time putting importance in those kinds of questions, like why don't they like me, why don't, whatever, that I was taking away from kind of my own agency and relationships, because I should have been asking, mm-hmm. why am I okay with someone treating me this way? Why do I care why they prefer this person over me? I should just move on, stuff like that. So I think overthinking for me was more so about placing more energy and focus on other people's thoughts and feelings instead of redirecting that focus onto mine. And that's what I've learned through these last five years of me being literally crazy about overthinking, especially in relationships. That's so smart. We talk about on this podcast, like redirecting energy to yourself and focusing on yourself a lot. But the main reason why we do like so many episodes with so many different topics, like this huge variety of topics that all are kind of related, but they're all just kind of about getting to your core and understanding that like you are the prize. And we've said that when we um, were reviewing the Lori Harvey book, but or the Steve Harvey book. Who wrote that? Steve Harvey book. We were talking about yes. Lori Harvey. So both yeah, comments. exactly. So it all comes back to the same message. And I think Cindy just relayed that really perfectly. It's just like whether it comes to overthinking or there it comes to relationships or breakups or friend breakups, it all just comes back to you do have to be selfish once in a while. And that's one thing that what I was saying earlier, it's like as women, I feel like oftentimes we're raised to be the people pleasers and to be the kind of oh my god, no, it was my fault, and and to just, like, be the appeasers in any situation in general with family, friends, relationships. And one main goal that Sydney and I have through all of these podcasts with all of these um, topic varieties is that you can be your own person, you can be a little selfish, you also do have to be giving and generous because that's what makes a human a human, but one thing that we do want to encourage all women or all people in general is that you are the prize, you are so special and loved and you are just deserving of some focus. And if you're not getting it from anybody else, that's not your fucking problem. You need to give it to yourself. And that comes with a lot of accountability, responsibility, agency. And that's what Cindy and I are promoting here, which I think is really the main message. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. 
podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I agree. And I think that an important distinction to make is that sometimes people conflate um, putting yourself first with being selfish or being self-centered. I think that there's a very distinct difference because at least how I would describe it, I would say that being selfish or being self-centered is more about only caring about yourself and not caring about how your actions, your thoughts, your words affect other people. But I think that putting yourself first and recentering yourself in your decisions is more so about prioritizing your feelings rather than putting emphasis on others. So I think that there's a very distinct difference between the two, and we're advocating for the latter. But um, I definitely would say that the key to peace that I have found over my journey of adulthood so far, which is approximately like three seconds is that the longer you try to please people to um, be perfect for everyone but not necessarily doing things that are best for like your self-interest you're never going to be happy so put yourself first stop um, prioritizing other people's feelings um, or actions above your own and I promise you will feel peace that you will feel peace (laughs) and i think um when you do talk about like being selfish and stuff sometimes you literally do have to be selfish like in the word like in the definition that you described it's like let's say you promise to do so or like or you have to engage in behavior that might seem selfish to other people so for example like let's say you made plans to like go to dinner and you cancel on those plans last minute because your battery is low and you really just need a moment to yourself that could seem pretty selfish to the people who you're going to go to dinner with but in the end it's necessary for you if that makes sense and like that's something that you have to do for yourself um just like that's just an example but you get my drift like sometimes you do actually have to be a little bit selfish not all the time of course but yeah, it's true. Everybody has to be at some point or another. And I will say that that kind of brings me to another point is that even like in the realm of overthinking, I think that it can manifest itself in a number of ways. We've kind of talked about it in more so like a relationship point of view. But I think that also comes with friendships as well in the form of FOMO, which is like, I don't know what that means, fear of missing out. <laughs> and I was blessed with the gene of not having that, but I can see how it does affect people. Because I will even say, like, um, I was in a friend group at one point where it was, like, um, guys and girls, 
and I was like romantically involved with someone in the friend group. And you know, I knew that that could, you know, not end well because it never ends well when that's a situation. However, I did it anyway. And it was hard once the romantic things ended because I felt like everyone continued to hang out and be close friends, but purposely excluded me. And at first I really didn't care because like I said, I don't really get FOMO. But it's between going out and drinking and hanging out with my friends and being in my bed and watching Love Island, it will always be the latter. Like I could see 50 stories of people like popping bottles and like dancing and you know, I generally do not get affected by it. I'm it's gonna be me and Love Island till the end. I was but not in that friend group, by I the think, way, just a little, t- <laughs> like, I'm not a bad friend, Oh, yeah, I so this is my law school friends. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so, on one hand, it kind of sucked, just because it had been, like, four or five months of seeing my friends hang out every single weekend without me, and it was sort of like, I would bring up the situation, and I felt like I was kind of being gaslighted to a, a point where they would be like, oh my god, it's not intentional, it's not like that, like, it just happened. And while that excuse could have worked the first, like, one, two, three, or four times it happened, after four months, I was kind of like, y'all need to get more creative with your excuses. But Yeah, like, oh, it was last minute, or et cetera. Yeah, or like, hey, we don't want to hang out with you because it's awkward. Like, cool. But I think that instead of focusing on, like, oh, I'm missing out, um, why are they mad at me, why are they excluding me, blah, 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 I took it more so as a chance to be like, would I want to be involved with or close friends with people who I feel like I've always been there for and would never exclude? Um, but to then to turn around and have a different situation where I felt like I was being ostracized for no longer being romantically involved with someone. So I took it less as a moment of being sad about not being able to go out with my friends and more so realizing that this is like the perfect opportunity or the perfect showing to me that maybe this is not what I want in friends, or maybe I need to distance myself and involve myself with other people because it's not the kind of friendship that I want. So I think at the same time, I know it's annoying people say like everything happens for a reason, but I'm truly a believer in that. And I do think that people do show their true colors. And when they do, you should take it at face value for sure. And you'll always know when something like not so comfortable or something upsetting happens like in the bad times people definitely show their true colors it's really interesting to watch because in the good times it's easy it's like oh you know she's like the fun friend and she's a happy friend and all that stuff and we go out all the time but then something bad happens or something awkward happens and that's really when people show their loyalty um that's why I say I like to think, like, the friends that I have right now in my life is actually super curated over, like, years, and college is a big indicator of that as well. It's it's very, and maturing, of course. Um, but, it, yeah, it, it is really interesting to see. It's, like, when shit hits the fan, who sticks around? Yeah, like, I squarely categorize people in, like, three categories. One, like, my close friends. And, like, I've always been one to say, like, uh, quality over quantity because I've always I think just because of the way that my schools have been structured and I consider myself to be like somewhat outgoing is I usually have like pretty big friend groups but I do believe that some people are meant to be in your life for certain seasons or certain periods and not necessarily your lifetime and that's okay because you grow and you change as you get older but so I have my three categories of like close friends which is like Sarah our roommate Chance a couple of my friends from law school, a couple of my friends from high school that just, I feel like have been with me through very hard times and have shown up in the ways that I would want a friend to. Then I have people who are acquaintances, people I like hanging out with and enjoy spending time with, but people that I wouldn't necessarily trust or be my go-to person when I'm in those kinds of seasons. And then people I just don't mess with because they're freaky when it comes to supporting people. And I really don't like negative energy unless it's my own. So (laughs) if I just feel like you're not bringing necessarily any benefit or joy to my life, why would I invest time into spending time with you when I don't need to? So I fully believe in quality over friends, like having a few very good friends and having 
55 friends that you're not necessarily close with and that is a thing i really see in the south because like i will see people from like my high school oh my god the weddings just, like my town in general yes have weddings and they have like 64 bridesmaids tell me all their middle names right now <laughs> tell me tell all me their birthdays are. what are their mother's names yes. thank you like there's no way that you are that close with your whole sorority that's crazy to me. <laughs> that's so funny um, oh yeah, didn't we see on TikTok or something some girl had all of her soror- like all of her sorority, like her chapter as her like maid of honor? And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like they will be okay. It's it's okay to pick and choose. Yeah. Like I think my problem will be having enough bridesmaids because if I don't talk to you on a weekly basis, or like I wouldn't run to you if I like if you wouldn't be like my emergency call if I'm in like jail or the hospital. You're not my bridesmaid, and that's a solid like five people. So. We're going to have to, we'll see. Yeah. We'll have tryouts. And uh, yeah, we're going to have auditions. <laughs> I think also a big part with overthinking and something that I've definitely struggled with in past friend groups um, and in breakups, but not really. I, I, and Sydney actually knows this is really funny. I actually tend to take friend group breakups harder than I take actual breakups. That is true. It is, right? Can't you totally attest to that? I get so yeah, upset. It's like a mourning period. I literally got so upset when we had our friendship rift um, like a couple years ago. And like me and Sydney were on one side and then the rest of the bitches are on the other side. And I was just like, oh my God, I was so upset, like crying every day. Like it literally felt like a breakup to me. Um, like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat that much. It was crazy. Um, I'm just happy Sydney was there to get me through it. But she kept saying to me, she was like, who cares? Quality over quantity. Like, they're out. They're done. Like, you have to get over it at some point. Because I was, like, taking a little bit. Okay, she wasn't mean about it, I swear. Like, but towards, like, the month mark, she was like, I will always be here for you. Like, it is quality over quantity. Think about how much we've been through together and how much our friendship is going to grow. And forget about them. Like, think about how mean they were to you. Why would you even want friends like that in the first place? And I think what took me too long to get over it was that... And what put me through a really hard time is also thinking, like, what did I do? Like, what about me makes all my friends... And also, I think I had trouble because I moved around my whole childhood with my, like, parents because we were a military family. So I would always have to say goodbye to friends after, like, two or three years, no more than three. So the fact that I lost this group of girls who I thought would always have my back and I thought were going to be bridesmaids at my wedding, I was very upset because I was like, what is it about me? Like, what is it that I'm doing wrong? And Sydney, I could not be more grateful for it. And what she taught me, she was like, you have to redirect that energy because it was not something that you did. And if it was, which it wasn't, she was like, and if it was, let it go. It's done. Like it, instead of just being like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? What am I doing? What is so bad about me? Just be like, maybe it wasn't a right fit. Like maybe it was not meant to be. And that really helped me along my healing journey. And like, I will say, ooh, I'm the most dramatic person when it comes to relationship breakups. Yeah, we're opposite. Like, like literally the opposite. Like you can ask Sarah, one of the times I broke up with my ex, one of the 576.34 times, <laughs> I blasted I will survive in my room for literally like three weeks straight. So I'm a little bit dramatic. I'm a cancer. So that's, you know, customary. But when it came to like friendship breakups, just because I'm such a strong believer in that when people show you their true colors, take it. And that's why I honestly was not upset whatsoever. She did not care at all. <laughs> I felt so upset. At all. Didn't, didn't cry one tear, didn't send one text. Because to me, it was like, even though, because these were like my first friends I made in college all the way through senior year. And I was like, well, of course, I'll miss having, like, that kind of girl group. Because, like, they did know so much about me and I knew so much about them. And, like, we had been through so much together. At the same time, just things that were said, things that were done, it, I had to think to myself, take people at their actions. Would I want to be friends with someone who, one, has this kind of character, who would do these kinds of things to someone they call their friend, who would say such awful things? No. So if anything, I do not feel like I'm necessarily losing anything. I'm not losing friends. I'm not losing experiences or adventures or whatever. I'm gaining peace. And for me, I will take the latter any day. So for me, that's why I necessarily wasn't upset about the situation. Because why would I want to spend time or be close with people who just whose characters and values and beliefs and ways of handling things in no way match my own? You know, like... I think everyone's at different maturity level. People value different things about certain people. But at the end of the day, if we don't align in terms of like how we assess situations, 
or how mature we are in terms of communication, then uh, goodbye. Like, I don't really care. You know, I just wish I could extend that to men. That's the thing. But it's something like about those freaky men are hard to do. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, it's just funny because I, I have a lot easier of a time getting over breakups because I don't know why. I think it's just totally opposite for me. I, I, I think it's not even the fact that, like, oh, I'm a girl's girl. Because, like, you're a girl's girl, too, so it doesn't really make sense. I think maybe, like, I'm trying to think. What are you using the reasoning is? Do you have any ideas? I'm going to mull it over. I feel like, one, relationships differ from friendships because you can have so many friendships, but at the end of the day, when it comes to being in a relationship, like, you only end up with one person. Yeah, maybe so that's put why more pressure I get on the situation. Yeah, maybe that's why. And also, the manipulation. Ooh, Zooey mama. Like, I think that, it's like, example, Sarah and I live together. We spend, obviously, a lot of time together, but I feel like when you're in a relationship with someone, there's so much one-on-one intimate time, and you see or experience or have control over so much of another person that you don't necessarily have in a friendship. And that's the same reason why I feel like people who say, like, if you're friends first and then you date, you can never go back because you do reach a newer level of intimacy or deeper level of intimacy that you can never have as just friends, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe you nailed it on the head when the reason I don't, like, it's not that breakups aren't hard for me. Like, my last breakup in particular, like, absolutely murdered me. But I think the reason why I'm able to get over it maybe a little quicker is because it, it of exactly what you said like it is I feel like the stakes are too high it's like you are the one person that I kind of wanted to spend my whole life with and you did show your true colors so goodbye do you know what I mean like for me it's just that simple in my brain I do also have like avoidant attachment style so with like in relationships in particular so it's very I think just easier for like three strikes and you're out it's it's easier for me to be like okay after we break up that's it. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you we're done here. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. Breakups suck. Like, oh my god, my last breakup, I totally overthought everything. Uh, I should have cut it out clean, but I think I told you guys, talking to you listeners, that we, you know, went on a break first, and then we broke up, and it, it was totally, just the experience was totally prolonged, and it should have ended, like, quicker than that, but yeah, that my overthinking just went nuts. But Sydney's right. When people show you your true colors, you do have to take action. And never forget, and I don't know why I wasn't thinking this way, but don't forget, it's like when you break up with someone, Sydney and I don't believe in breaks, or at least I don't anymore, because it's like, it's the same thing as breaking up and then just getting back together afterwards, basically. So it's like, if you want to break up, break up. I think just wipe the slate clean, do what you have to do, be an assertive woman or be an assertive person. And then if you want to get back together, nothing's saying you can't later. That's why we think breaks are stupid because it's literally like the same thing. You're just calling it a break because you might want to sleep with other people. <laughs> no, Lily, I think it's an excuse to want to sleep with yeah. other people and make sure there's not anything else out there. And you have the wrong person if you think that I'm going to allow you to go see yeah, my hair looks crazy. It's so funny. You guys know I like to multitask. I'm straightening my hair right now. <laughs> and it actually looks crazy. Um. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave. And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) One question I do have, though, is why? I wonder why. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's what I feel like. Because all this humidity. Ew. Um, I do wonder why situationship breakups hurt so much more than relationship breakups. Like, I was with someone for four and a half years, and that man was literally a little demon. But, like, I feel like I got over that, like, relatively quickly, just because we broke up so many times, and I finally realized, like, this man is so spooky. But then, like, I had a four-month or, like, five-month situationship. That thing had me out for, like, three months, out of commission of everything. Yes, like, I literally cried in my bed, did not leave, stopped drinking, like, everything. But I think that because I let myself fully feel it and heal, I came back so much better than I did with with my ex. Because, sorry, let me drop in the names. Um, Because um, with my ex after so I didn't really let myself like get that upset about it just because like I had broken up with him so many times and we fought actually 16 times a day so I was like whatever this is literally just a normal Tuesday and I think it was because I was the one to finally end things that I felt like I was ready because usually it was the other way around but then I walked to the world and I was like ew I hate men for a solid like nine months eh, it's still kind of going on but I try so hard to not hate them so i think we're making progress but i do think that the way that you let yourself heal from things does determine how you come out on the other side if that makes sense yeah absolutely situationships for me have never really been an issue um of breaking up with the situationship so what 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 would that breakup be called situation no longer (laughs) yeah so my situations no longer moments have never really been that bad and I feel like because this is just what I did personally as not what I recommend you doing this is just what I did (laughs) I'm just gonna tell you a little little tale what I did and this is why my situation breakups wasn't so bad is because since I do have like very detachment personality with men like for me it was really easy to kind of separate the friend from the like adult activities we would do together so for me it was always like a friends with benefits situation and I would always make that extremely clear both to the guy and then mentally in my brain like I would force myself to just like draw that hard line in the sand so it's either like until we start dating like until you ask me to be your girlfriend 
that's it. Does that make sense? And like that, that's just the yeah. way like I got through it. I would not recommend this to anybody, but just like, it just helped for me. So like if it did end and like if the guy, if it, if like the feeling was mutual, then like who cares if like one day I texted him and I was like, hey, look, this isn't working anymore. We should stop doing this. Or um, the other way around, if he texted me that or something like, or just ghosted me, it just wouldn't like hurt at all. I maybe would like miss the adult activities you would used to do together, but that would be a- <laughs> sorry. The way that you said, yeah, that I like <laughs> trying to be very considerate of your like law jobs at the moment. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, I would like maybe miss that aspect, but other than that, it didn't go further. You know what I mean? And then when we would get close and like, let's say we would be friends on the side, like that's all he was a friend. And then when we would do the adult activities, like that's you know, it was just like no toe cross the other line if it did like if a boundary was crossed i'll make it very clear that either we need to break things off or we need to progress in this relationship you need to ask me to be your girlfriend or we need to just keep things going the same way because like that's when things get complicated you know what i mean yes and i think that that's where we're opposite yes (laughs) this does not work for everybody for sure as it shouldn't i think because she's a leo and i'm a cancer (laughs) And I realize everyone in my life is a Leo. Okay, I have to say this on the podcast because it's becoming so freaky. I need to stop saying the word freaky. It's like my word of the week. Yeah, you said it on spooky. It. You said spooky a lot this episode too. Like, I don't mean freaky as in like freaky deaky. I mean freaky as in like spooky. Scary. Spooky needs a synonym. Scary. So, um, I am seeing someone so casually right now. And it's really scaring me because I was, like, being cute or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what's your sign? And he was like, oh, I'm a Leo. And I was like, oh, because everyone in my life is a Leo. Like, my grandma, my brother, my sister, Sarah, my best friend from law school. Three of my exes are Leos. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, so, like, when's your birthday? And he tells me the day. I have now dated three men with the same birthday. And it's my sister's birthday. And I'm kind of like, is it, do I need to go like take out the lottery or something? Like, are these my magic numbers? I don't understand. Um, I do find that to be very weird. But I think at the same time, like, I'm the kind of person where when I'm in a relationship or even a situationship or even just seeing someone, like, I invest myself emotionally so much without meaning to just because that is who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, And there's nothing wrong with that for sure at all yeah and that's one that's my favorite aspect about you one of them is that you like put your whole heart in stuff especially relationships it was cute the first time but now i'm just like oh Oh, oh my god where are my rings (gasps) whatever that's scary i never take them off and they're not on my hands um what were we talking about Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, if I start seeing someone or start talking to someone, I will know, I'm not even joking, after the first date if I like them or not. It's true. But the problem is, and I usually, that's, like, nice for, like, saving time and energy and effort. But then it's, like, if I decide I do, like, there's no going back. Sorry. So, I'm working on that. So, I think that's one part of overthinking is that, like, I analyze every single aspect of a situation and I'm like, oh my gosh, he blinks three times and looks to the right. Does that mean he likes me? <laughs> so I'm trying to stop doing that because I definitely put the overthinking overthinker, as I said earlier. But that's one thing that I'm trying to work on. Another thing is that if I'm fighting with a man, especially, friends not so much, but like with a man, if I have something to say, if I have something on my, if I have an opinion, it, like I have to say it. Like, I will literally sit in my bed not saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Then trigger fingers come out and I'm da 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 And I realized that word vomiting and like putting every single like thought and process I have in my head onto a text is not the smartest way to approach a situation. So my method right now to kind of combat aspects of overthinking when it comes to like bickering or arguing with a romantic partner is that I write every single one of my thoughts into my notes and I give myself 12 to 24 hours to finally like process through everything before I send them a text because I know that I'm a very reactionary person emotionally and I usually and then by usually I mean actually 100.7% of the time <laughs> regret saying it so I'm just saying it because it's on my mind because I do overthink and so I think giving myself that buffer process allows me to release my emotions as I should, like healthily, and not keep them in. But at the same time, process things and be rational, think with my head and not my heart, 
before approaching situations. So that's like where I'm at right now. Um, sorry. Every time I have a thought now, I think like like my brain sounds like Kourtney Kardashian. Oh, that is so funny. Like, She's like, yeah, and like that's where we're at. Oh my god. I'm watching productions right now. That is so, so accurate. Like that. that was a good impression. So that's where we're Thank you. <laughs> um, what I do, um, and this is something I've learned, I have I don't have a lot of anxiety about relationships. I don't have a lot of anxiety about my work. I have a lot of anxiety about social situations. So I would say, like, if so I have a lot of anxiety over like whether or not somebody is mad at me for example like if the vibe is even a little bit off, and I'm sure so many of you can relate if the vibe is even a little bit off I'm like oh my god they hate me they never want to talk to me again so I think that like what I've learned and this is just part of maturing I only realized this in the past like literally year or something when I started surrounding myself with healthier people this is what I have learned like for example like Sydney and Chance and you know all this stuff. what I've learned is that if someone is mad at you it is their responsibility to let you know what you did wrong. And, like, if if they're a very good friend, they're not going to be fucking passive-aggressive. They're not going to, like, make you ask. Like, they're going to be an adult and they're going to tell you. And until they do that, like, if they were mad and if they're, like, a good, healthy person, they would do that. You know what I mean? So it's, like, I have to have enough trust in my friends and the people I surround myself with that if they have a problem with me, they would come up to me and let me know so that we can fix the problem and move on together and they're not going to be petty or passive-aggressive. Which, of course, I am just... I'm blessed to have friends like that. I've never had this issue with anybody who I'm friends with right now. But um, when I was not surrounding myself with, like, the healthiest people, for example, I would just be constantly worried about, like, whether or not I was enough or whether or not someone was mad at me or we were going to get in a fight because I hate confrontation, et cetera, et cetera. And one thing that I learned is just, like, you have to detach yourself from the situation in the way where it's like, if they have a problem, they're going to make that clear. They're going to communicate that to me. And if I think that they're mad, I would even ask, like, are you mad? Like, there just has to be some, like, healthy level of communication. But how to cure the overthinking part is, like, I'm telling you right now, 90% of the time you think they're mad at you, they're not mad at you. They love you. They're just, like, maybe tired or they had a bad day. And I, that's, like, that's what I've had to learn is, like, not everything's about me. So I kind of, like, redirected that energy to just be, like, Okay, they had a bad day. Something is off with them. If they're pissed at me or if it's anything about me, they're going to tell me. And until then, I, there's nothing I can do. You know, let, let go, let God or whatever that saying is. I'm not religious at all. I don't know why I just said that. But it's like, <laughs> she said let go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leave it up to the universe. There's only so much you're accounted. There, there's only so much you can go when it comes to stuff like that. Did that make sense? Like, it's very much a practice of detaching. Like, um... I literally thought you were going to say leave it to beaver. What? <laughs> I was like, that's something that you would say. Um, and even like being on the flip side of that situation, nothing annoys me more. It's like, if you're mad, just say so. Like if I'm mad at someone, I literally text them like, hey, this has been on my mind. It's been bothering me. Can we talk about it? Because at the end of the day, parading around with the pouty face on and like waiting for them to notice is only wasting my time. So if I actually want to work through the situation, I will just tell you I'm mad. And if I don't, then I'm not mad. Because why would I waste my own time trying to get to pick and guess and choose my mood? And that's why I'm friends mm-hmm. with you, because it's that simple. And, like, I think the same way as well. It's like, I know, like, if I had a problem with you, Sydney Winter, I would fucking tell you. Because I want to, like, let it go, move on. And I can trust that tomorrow we're going to, like, just forget about it and move on. You know what I mean? And, like, that's the way our friendship works. Um, and that's this is why Sarah and I never fight. Yeah. Well, also, also, I feel like this weighs heavier on people and, and people with a, a certain syndrome that Sydney is blessed not to have, and that is people pleaser syndrome. She used to be a people pleaser. She still is it sometimes, yeah. like all of us are. But like, I am a ma- and Sydney knows. Like, I'm a major people pleaser. Not just in the way where it's like I hide my feelings, but in the way where I just genuinely don't get upset at anything. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I'll be like. I'm like, girl, uh, you should not be not mad about that. Yeah, Sydney has to, like, sit me down and tell me sometimes, like, when I'm getting mistreated in literally any way. She's like my little guard dog. She's like, Sarah, listen, like, you have to, did you say woof? (laughs) She's like, no, you actually have to be mad at that, I think. Like, you need to stick up for yourself. So, yeah, on the flip side, it's hard for me to, like, do that, but 
as a people pleaser, that's where I start to overthink is like, oh my God, is this person mad at me? Or like, oh my God, if I get mad at this person, which doesn't really happen with my friends, it's more like, this is more relationship geared, I would say, right, Sydney? It's like, oh my God, if I get mad at this person, are they going to get mad at me for getting mad back? So I think like as a major people pleaser and as a Leo and as like, I get anxious and overthink in that way. And that's how I solve that is like, I have friends around me who are super supportive. And also I have friends who are good at communication. Like if there was ever an issue, I trust they would tell me. And until then, I just have to let go like, God, there's nothing I can do. Um, yes, I agree. <laughs> yes. That was a great thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's so funny that like 97% of the people in my life are Leos and they all have wildly different personalities. But if you break them down into like their biggest personality traits, they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to describe it. Yes. Like they all love their birthday. <laughs> They all love other people, other people's birthdays. Um, they're all people pleasers, like etc. And it's just so funny. Yeah. Oh my god, I I think about it. I have so many Leos in my life. Are you Ugh. scared? I think Cancers um, and Leos are really attracted to each other. They are. I think because they're like yin and yang of each other. Yeah. But if one more, if actually, I'm, I'm not even kidding. If one more Leo man breaks my heart, I'm gonna start revolution. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I will riot. Because why? My old boyfriend was a Leo. That didn't go very well. But he's the only Leo I know that doesn't act like. Actually, yes, he does. The, I'm thinking about the letter situation. That was the most Leo thing I've ever <laughs> heard in my entire life. Wasn't it? I, yeah, exactly. In, in a way, we're all the same, truly. But my new man is a Libra, and I don't really know what to think of that. I don't even know anything about Libras. My dad's a Libra. That's all I know, which is scary, but it's okay. When is his, when is his birthday? October 4th. Okay, I do feel kind of bad because there's like a few signs where like in my head they don't really exist. Like Libra, Pisces, could not even tell you what months those are. Taurus but I like, struggle with. Like, I don't know. what it, What is even about you? Both my parents are Tauruses. Yeah. That's funny. That makes sense. My, my mom's like, that's like, that's why we didn't work. I was like, mm, I don't know if that's <laughs> just reason. But sure. Uh, Sagittarius sure, sure, is also sure. like... It's so funny that they're a fire sign because, like, I never think about Sagittarius I. Sagittarius? Sagittarius I? <laughs> oh, see, I have a, Chance is a Sag. Oh, is she? Um, oh, never mind. I'm yeah. sorry, Chance, if you're listening, which you're probably not. <laughs> and my stepmom is a Sag. I don't. Okay, Scorpio, I don't know anything. Oh, Scorpio is more than Sagittarius. And I just, like, don't know what it is, but, like, Capricorns? Gemini, Cancer, Leo. Aquarius? Go together bad. I know nothing about those. Either. I dated. I don't know anything about Aquarius besides Rihanna's an Aquarius. <laughs> Capricorns. I am a Capricorn rising, um, and my ex is Capricorn. They're, like, very type A, very organized, very, like, intellectual driven, which is so annoying because I'm a Cancer moon, Cancer sun, um, Capricorn rising, which means I'm emotional, double emotional, and intellectual. Ugh. Cute. I know a lot about Aries, Geminis, Leos, obviously, Cancers. Aries, I don't know anything about besides was the god of war aries aries are very um fiery and spearheaded they always want to be like the leader of the pack they're very ambitious um like they always want to run everything basically it makes me laugh like someone wrote sat down one day and was like here's the guide to your personality and it fits and then, like, it does a, fit sometimes a jillion years earlier everyone's like crap that's right <laughs> that's so funny all right you guys we hope you enjoyed that episode on overthinking and that little chat about uh, horoscopes and star signs um have a great day <laughs> remember sorry that was so weird <laughs> remember to listen to us on apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast and you can also follow us on social media at crying in public podcast on instagram thank you so much for listening we love you goodbye g bye Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.